0: And welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the things that we are obsessed with. Brought to you by JewishCoffeehouse.com. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co hosts, S.M. Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hi. Guys, guess what time it is? Wonder Woman time. It's one o'clock.
1: Oh, God, no. <laughs> Please, can we cut that? <laughs>
0: I hate you all. It's Wonder Woman a <laughs> It is finally time to discuss Wonder Woman. I'm so excited. Are you guys excited? I already discussed it last time, so I'm like, i kind of You didn't of discuss it. it. You just talked about it. There was no That's discussion because we this hadn't be seen It's to be a very yet.
2: spoiler-packed episode.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. When we get to our Wonder Woman segment, I we're not going to bother not discussing spoiler things or discussing non-spoiler things, right? We're just going to go... Straight in. Yeah, I mean, most
1: of my thoughts aren't really about the plot. They're mostly about I, I have
0: gendery thoughts about it, so I'll be talking about that. <laughs> right. Okay, so we will get to that really soon. But first, of course, we're going to start with our obsessions. Uh, Tamar, I'm I'm putting you up to bat first. <laughs> okay, hold on. I just need to look up the name of it. Um, I okay.
2: yeah. Um, I okay. So like over. Shabbos a few weeks ago, I played this game called Ragnarok. I don't remember if that's the full title. I don't think it is. Um, I'm just trying to find it right now. Anyway, it's this board game that's based off of Norse mythology, and you pretty much you have to battle your way to glory and beat the rest of your, uh, the opponents in the game to gain the most glory and you can gain the most glory by dying and the end of the game is when literally the world ends ragnarok is the apocalypse of norse myth and like there's a lot of <laughs> gods involved and there's like really metal these fantastical <laughs> uh creatures and it looks like kind of like a risk board like there's or it's like a risk board mixed with like settlers like there's different you like parts of the world and like you have to like, go and conquer each one with your forces and whoever like gets the most glory at the end of each round gets the most points and at the end of the game whoever has the most points wins. But like you all die at the end. Like Ragnarok comes and that's the end of the game. Uh, or you lost all your glory and you're like out of the game or something. I don't remember how it works. But he who dies with he who dies with the most points so, still wins. So not not it's whoever who dies with the most points, but my friends, I didn't I didn't win. But there was a tie for second place between me and my friends. It's like a four-player game. So I played with two couples. So, like, one of the couples split up and one of the other couples joined together. And they were insane. They just, like, they kept getting these combos with the cards to, like if you die, gain 20,000 extra points. So their whole goal was to make us fight them and kill them. Like they were not putting up a fight (laughs) at all. It's instead of like rolling the dice, like in Risk, you have cards that have different values of strength and you kind of like battle it out like war. But there's all these different like play cards that change things. So they literally were like, okay, we're going to play this card that undoes everything you just do. So your really cool card is so unpowerful. Like you can't do it. And there's, like, all... And the characters are really pretty. Like, some artists really worked on it really well. I still can't find it. I've been, like, Googling it, and it's definitely called uh, Ragnarok. And and I'm just trying to find it, and all these board games called that... All these video games called Ragnarok are showing up. Uh, Yeah, and
1: then there's Thor Ragnarok.
2: Yeah.
0: We're not quite there yet.
2: (laughs) No, so, I mean, I should... I guess I should have tied this into that, but, um... Where oh here. Okay, I found it. Oh, it's called Blood Rage. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's called Blood Rage, I forgot. Uh, How do you forget
0: a name like that?
2: Because my friend's just called a Ragnarok. Okay. <laughs> so um it's from it's it's called Blood Rage and it's it was based on a Kickstarter that my friend entered. So like if you look at Amazon, you can kind of see all these little figurines. And, like, the real, the art's really cool. It, it's kind of scary, but it's cool. They have, like, all these, like, cave trolls and, like, all your warriors, and there's one clan that's just full of women, and it's just very, very cool. Um, and it was a fun game to play once. I'm not sure how much I'll play again because it's kind of a lengthy game, and you get really into it because you're killing people. <laughs> but, yeah, I hadn't ever talked to... I, I like board games. I always lose board games. I'm not a very good... Uh, player at strategy i'm only good at settlers because i play it on my phone um so yeah so like i like this game a lot and that's my obsession
0: awesome yeah i uh haven't played that (laughs) i don't know i have issues with board games sometimes because i think like they, they get too stressful for me like it's very intense you know and like I don't like competing because I'm always afraid I'm going to lose and like I get competitive and it's just not the greatest but um
1: I feel like any games can get competitive not necessarily board games
0: yeah no I know I mean I used to like freak out while I was playing like president or something with my friends and like whatever (laughs) you know 6th grade and it was the hot thing to do at recess in between like the yo-yos and the poggle tops you know (laughs) (laughs) pogs um
1: Board game that I really want to play at some point, but I'm not sure I want to spend the money to get it. Um, is this like it's been out of circulation forever? But like Samantha B on her show, oh my got god, a featurette. It's like what was it was called the Inquisition or something, and it's all a, the entire game is themed on Jewish persecution, and it's it's awful and amazing. Like you pick cards, and they're like you know, get your entire family expelled from Spain.
2: <laughs> That's but it's like difficult. something like from Nazi Germany, like.
1: I'm not okay like this. I'm pretty sure it's made by Jews and it's meant as you know, you know, an making... educational thing. <laughs> black humor, you know, black humor to make light of our uh, our historical plight. You well, know, if I it mean... was made by actual Jews, what? then yeah, I wouldn't think it was
2: nearly as amusing. Oh, but it's called Expulsion. I just pulled up the Tablet art- article. The thing
0: is, like, they did actually have anti-Jewish board games in, like, Nazi Germany. That's of, what i That was, like, saying. expelling the Jews, so it is funny in that context, um, but, you know. I like
1: that, you know, it's Jews taking ownership of our own problems, yeah. you
0: know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, SM, what's your,
1: what's your obsession? Okay, so my obsession um, has nothing to do with games. I actually bought my very first cookbook recently um, because I want to get more experience with cooking and baking. Um, because, like, I I know how to do like basic Shabbos food and like basic things that you know I grew up with and you know same old recipes uh, that my mom has always made. Uh, but I want to branch out and try new things. Uh, and I wasn't sure how to do that. And I've been basically making, you know, a few new recipes here and there from, uh, you know, tasty videos on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, but I wanted something more systematic and, uh, structured and that I could go through and like, check it off and just like feel like I'm making progress. And so I decided to get a cookbook and the cookbook that I got is called Damn Delicious by Chungari, and it is based on her food blog, which I have not read, but considering that she's very successful based on a food blog, that, you know, implies that her recipes are crowd-tested and they stand up. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited about this. I started blogging about it, actually. Um, I started a whole new WordPress blog called Millennial Cooking because um, it's about me as a lazy millennial um, trying to muddle my way through cooking um, without really knowing what I'm doing because, I don't know, millennials don't know how to do anything. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how to cook. I don't know. No, <laughs> I know. I know. So but, like, it's the people blame millennials for, you know, not buying this this thing or not doing that thing and whatever so um, you know there are plenty of people that I know who you know, live off freezer pizza and ramen and that's fine you know nobody needs to know how to cook if you can get by on other things um, but it's much healthier yeah and so like this this book is supposed to be um, it's a hundred recipes and they're supposed to be uh, easy and quick and moderately healthy so I, uh, so I went for that, and, yeah, and I posted, uh, to my blog, I posted, like, an intro post explaining what I'm doing, and then I posted my first recipe post, because I went and I made one of the recipes, and I took pictures throughout, and I didn't screw it up, and it came out pretty good, so, um, yeah, I'm planning to make more, and go through the the whole cookbook from start to finish, and that is that is Is it a kosher plan. cookbook or it's like... not a kosher cookbook and I note that on the blog that I will be modifying some recipes accordingly. Um yeah, like there's a recipe like some recipes are just, you know, they'll have a non-kosher ingredient here or there um or they'll add cheese or something, you know, and others are like entirely non-kosher like there's a bacon-wrapped scallop recipe and like so I, <laughs> I can't or scallops so I'm going to see if I can find I know that they make vegetarian scallops and I know they, they make vegetarian bacon and they also make like turkey bacon so if I have a vegetarian scallop can I wrap it in a piece of turkey bacon um I'll see it's all an adventure and the point is you know just to feel like it's you know it's okay to experiment and it's okay to you know get things wrong because in general it takes a lot uh, it takes a lot of mistakes to get something that's completely inedible. So like, even if it's not, not great or not as good as, you know, it would have been if the, uh, professional cook who made this cookbook, you know, would have made it, um, it's still going to be probably edible and probably different from, you know, same old stuff that I have all the time. So, I think it's going to be a fun project. I don't know how long it's going to take me, but, um, this is the plan and that is my obsession.
0: I guess my obsession would probably be still, like, BEA and BookCon, uh, from last week, which, um, unfortunately I had to miss a lot of the, like, the really good stuff, including my favorite author, Megan Wayland-Turner, being there because, she was there on Thursday and on Saturday, <laughs> and Thursday was Shavuos and Saturday, Shabbos. So that was really depressing, and I'm still kind of sad about it. But it was uh, it was still really fun to, like, go and walk around and, like, you know, get back in touch with, like, publishing people, and, you know, I got a copy of Lee Bardugo's um, uh, Wonder Woman book, which is coming out in August, which I'm really excited for, and... Um, yeah it was it was a good time I definitely I think BookCon is it is fun like it you know I, I kind of I really didn't like it the first year which was I think two years ago and then last year it was in Chicago so I didn't go uh but BookCon is you know it's open to all and I think you have to go in with like the right expectations but it's not that expensive as far as like conventions go and there are a lot of panels and um fun booths and you can buy like bookish stuff and if you happen to be uh, an industry person you can also go to BEA and that's Book Expo America and that's also a lot of fun um at BEA though you have to you have to be aware like the first year I went to BEA I made a massive mistake uh which was I I took all of the books that were offered to me and they offered offer you a lot of books and so I could basically not walk by the end of the day and <laughs> uh and it's the David Center and if you know what the Javits Center is like, it's its a nightmare enough without being weighed down by, I i don't think I'm exaggerating like 15 pounds of books. So, uh, yeah. That I've was... had the
1: Javits Center, I've had the Javits Center described to me as, you know, think of a really, really, really bad idea. Turn <laughs> that bad idea.
0: Turn that bad idea into a convention center and then you get the Javits Center. I just think of it as like this massive dinosaur crouching, on the end of Manhattan and like (laughs) just kind of like maybe it's there because the island's about to tip over otherwise I'm not sure but like they don't have enough bathrooms they're like I mean it is pretty clean I'll give them that it's it's pretty well maintained but it's huge and labyrinthine and not easy to get around if you don't know where you're going uh so like part of my experience pretty much whenever I'm there for whatever reason is walking at least a block in the wrong direction, and then walking around again.
2: It's so annoying. It is
0: very um, annoying. Can't wait for there... New Comic Con, though. <laughs>
2: uh, I, yeah, I bought my ticket for that. But
0: I went to Book Con
2: at Javits Center. Oh, uh, sorry, I went to Broadway Con at Javits Center, and I think it was probably smaller than Book Con was. I hope, because uh, it was pretty small. Um, but yeah, I mean, I went. I was in the L.A. Convention Center a few times, and it's just. That one's also really roundabout. Like, why can't people just design normal convention centers that are just like easily accessible? Why can't you make them have like four stories instead of two really long ones? My
0: my my idea. (laughs) I don't know, but my idea is that like they just build a thing and then they keep building other things and then like somehow like create organizational like names for stuff that obviously make no sense. Like, go to the blah blah blah. Go to the go to the oceanside. Room, mm-hmm. or like the e Which is corridor, the
1: opposite direction of the water.
0: Right, it, you know. So <laughs> they basically make no sense. So getting around the Javits Center not my favorite thing. Um, but other than that, I do have to say that, uh, yeah, fun time. You, you kind of, you kind of. But you have to turn down the books then, or you
1: have to bring a granny cart.
0: You can't. You're not allowed to have a cart on the floor. People, okay. people actually That's... bring suitcases, um, <laughs> and. Yeah. Can you have so, wheelie
1: suitcases?
0: Um sorry. Can you have wheelie suitcases? You they can have suitcases but you have to have them like checked. So like you have to carry your books around and like there's a whole area of checking suitcases. Not not really for bookcon cuz they don't really give as many books away. They give a couple but not as many. Uh for BEA obviously it's it's you know it's a trade show so like they're trying to get uh you know executives and and librarians and teachers and everybody in the in the book business reporters you know in like they want you to read the books so they are a lot more likely to give you the books uh but yeah it's a good time and it was fun i was exhausted i was literally so tired i came right out of shivuos went to the Javid center on friday stayed there most of the day like slept basically all through shabbos and then sunday went back to the Javid center um But yeah, other than that, it was good. The other thing I did that Sunday when I got back from BookCon was I went to see Wonder Woman. And I'm going to make that our segue. (laughs) Segue! Into our discussion on, oh my gosh, DC Comics, WB, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I know everything Marvel. I know all the like little details. I don't really know the nitty gritty of who made Wonder Woman, but um, it wasn't Disney. Uh, so yeah, Wonder Woman. We know, Tamar, we know that you saw it. Um, have you seen it again since? No, I only saw it once. Okay, I've been meaning to see it again. SM, how about you?
1: I've also only seen it once.
0: Okay, cool. So we're all pretty much on even footing here. Yeah. Opening Um, weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it. I thought it was a very, I mean like i i actually found it difficult to kind of you know break down critically because i was so you know like there's a certain level of of thing where like you are so excited that the thing is happening period that it's difficult Mm -hmm. to like break down so like i was so excited that wonder woman had a movie and that a female superhero had a movie and that a Jewish woman was starring in it that like it was very difficult for me to break down critically but I still think it's a it's a really good movie it's a lot of fun it's not like I don't think it's it's probably not my favorite superhero movie in terms of like the the plot but in terms of the characters and kind of what it does for the genre I I yeah it's it's way up there um SM how about you yeah, I think in terms of like the plot, they're probably you know, uh,
1: the Batman movies are the best in terms of twists and things that you probably didn't see coming. Um, Wonder Woman has like one twist that you probably didn't see coming, um, and since this is not spoiler, this is not spoiler protected. I'm just gonna say, you know, like Lupin is Ares, and you're not supposed to suspect that because you're supposed to suspect that the other bigger badder general is Ares, but. Um, he's not okay, but who's,
0: who's Lupin? Spoiler. For those Lupin,
1: for those who don't know, um, well, Lupin is from uh, from the Harry Potter movies, which most people I think who are listening to this probably know. But in case you don't know, um, Lupin is um, a character from Harry Potter. He plays uh, well. He's he's the uh, Defense Against the Dark earth teacher. Oh no, I, I didn't the mean who is Lup-
0: I didn't mean who is Lupin. I'm saying who are you referring to when you say Lupin? <laughs> Okay, when I say Lupin,
1: I mean the obviously the actor David Soulis who plays um I don't know what his character's name was other than Ares, but he plays this, you know, uh he seems like a benign, you know, even helpful uh uh elderly gentleman who is um like the boss of Chris Pines, like he's he's one of the uh I don't what what was his job? Like he was he was, he a was politician. somebody uh, he was like the, the
0: minister. Politician. He was
2: the minister yeah. of something or other. Something. Like he was involved yeah. in the peace talks. He yeah. worked in Parliament. I'm gonna look up his actual name. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. So basically
1: I was just thinking of him as Lupin with the mustache. Yeah, and like he seems, you know, like this, you know, friendly and even supportive uh presence um for the uh the part of the movie where you first meet him. And then later on it turns out that he was actually uh, Ares, the god of war, trying to manipulate um, everything uh, in order to produce more war.
0: Yeah, um, I I thought that was. Hang on, one second. Sir Patrick Morgan, that's his name. Okay, um, he had a name. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't exactly. It didn't. Yeah. Uh, didn't didn't jump out.
1: But it doesn't. Yeah, it's not exactly Doctor Poison. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a lot more memorable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I thought that that was a good twist. I had some issues with the way it was portrayed. Um, it was interesting because my brother came out of the movie saying, like, oh, it should have been Steve Trevor, who was actually Aries. And, like, that would have been oh, a better God. twist. And I'm like, well. That would have broken broke my heart. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would have
2: had. So good! I, can, okay. I don't want an evil can pie! I can't, I I can't disagree that. with him I'm that it would have been
0: know. like it would have been a better twist but I think it would have also yeah, not been it, within the spirit of the movie like it's yeah, not that not. cynical. It's actually a very uncynical movie and I think that the, that yeah, would have been great. too cynical you know?
1: It's not about trying to find the most unexpected possible thing that could happen It's it, it was about more than that. Yeah. Because, like, obviously, if, if, you know, Steve Trevor turns out to be evil, then they have to come up with an entire new angle to uh, achieve Diana's motivation at the end. Um, because we see that by the end, she's, you know, largely motivated by having met Steve Trevor and feel like, you know, he is an example of the good in humanity that is worth fighting for. So they would have had to introduce a completely new character that would have represented that Kind of good, and had you know, or had her come up, come you know, come at it without having had an example, but just believing based on blind faith, which I don't think is necessarily you know what they were going for because the whole point is that in the beginning, that she has all of this blind faith in the goodness of humanity. Um, And then the story is about deconstructing that faith and having her come face to face with actual reality that is a lot messier than that blind faith. And then having her come out stronger on the other end um, and still find and still consciously choosing to hope for the best in humanity rather than just hoping and believing because she doesn't know any better. Um, So I think it would have been a completely different movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Um, Tamara, do you wanna give us your spoiler filled thoughts now? Since we had not none of us had seen it by the time when you had you were like kind of talking about talking around the movie.
2: Um, yeah, I also like ruminated on it a bit. So like I'm I'm not up like on uppers like I was then. Like I thought about it a little bit, with decided like what I didn't like, what I did like. Um I I thought I mean, I thought it was very obvious what was like gonna happen like they kept on trying to foreshadow things like aside from Ares which was just like you are too nice of course you're gonna be evil like that was just whatever but like from the beginning it's like oh Diana is clearly the weapon and not like oh, the well, sword yeah that was
0: obvious yeah was just that like, she was the god killer like, yeah
2: I was like Diana you're so stupid but like I think that naivety was important for her role um I also just
1: don't know the origins of Wonder Woman that well so like I bought it
2: um so like originally i know i was doing some research because i was trying to figure out what it was uh like i was just trying to figure out like diana's story and uh, in the first comic she like won a competition to go be like a savior of man um and they they didn't do that i heard that patty jenkins like tried very hard to be able to pretty much write the origin story she wanted which was one of the reasons that like it kind of took a while for them to do this like apparently she had to sit down with DC multiple times and be like, I don't want to do one of your set origin stories. I'll stick like to the characters and the ideas and everything. But like, this is my movie. Um, I don't remember which interview it was in, but uh, she yeah. she really she really was. It was just like a quick line, but you could tell just from what she was saying that like that was a serious discussion when she was brought on board, and that was interesting because like she didn't even write it, um, but she like was intent on. Telling an origin story that was not from the comics.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, just I have to pause. And can we all just give Patty Jenkins a massive hand because not only the first clap, woman, because I can totally I, yeah, I'm clapping. I'm just going for it because I mean I haven't seen Monster, which was her other major film. I really want to. Um, oh, with Charlize Theron. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, huh. I think she did just such a good job. First of all, with you know, with the characters and with the action. But also I mean, she is the first woman to direct a movie that made it over like a hundred million dollars or something, which is heartbreaking when you think about it and how many movies, you know, make over a hundred million dollars. Uh, but still, you know, fantastic accomplishment and everything she has said about Wonder Woman, uh, seems like she has just such a wonderful grasp on on the story and again, it's, you know, so refreshing and wonderful to get a you know good female perspective uh on superhero storytelling and she was under
1: so much pressure yeah i just you know i can't even imagine being in her shoes like and and succeeding like it's just so much yeah like everybody pinned so much so many hopes on this and like there were and clearly, you know, with the marketing and everything was not helping her out at all, you know, and what I saw recently is that it's having um, a lot of staying power and that people are, you know, telling other people that it's good. So people who didn't see it opening weekend um, are going and people are going to see it again. Um, and it's at the top of the box office as opposed to like Batman versus Superman, which as soon as, you know, opening weekend died down, it just fell off the charts. Mm-hmm. So like this yeah. is really good and this is a this is a very good thing for superhero movies in general and obviously for for women um in superhero movies yeah. and hopefully the executives will learn from this but I don't count on it really because executives are stupid <laughs> yeah they are
0: um I'm sorry Tamara I kind of <laughs> cut you off what were you saying um but yeah so you know did, like hang on what am I actually saying here um what did you guys think of the kind of huh, i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say say that there are jewish themes in the movie but i do think that there is what to like to look for you know obviously um god I'm tr- I'm going to try and pronounce her last name correctly even though like my brain tells me that it's Gadot but it's Gadot. Um as we I, th- I think yeah, we like figured that out yeah, and then I was like but they, can't, but they can't mean for us to say the T but I think they actually do. Um so uh you can Gal-
1: remember that Hebrew, Hebrew in Hebrew there are no silent letters. Exactly.
0: Um but yeah, so Gal Gadot, uh you know being a a proud Israeli Jewish woman um obviously does make us think about that. So, did you guys see any particularly Jewish themes in the movie? I, I I had one, but I'll I'll discuss it after.
1: I wasn't really looking at it from that angle, but I do think that it was very it was pretty inspiring um, to see um, a woman who has you know actually been in an army and has you know she didn't necessarily you know see combat herself, but like was in a context where combat was a reality. Um, And to see her, you know, portray a role that is very strongly anti-war and anti-violence and, you know, and fighting for for justice and good things. And, uh, you know, that scene in the in the parliament where she holds um, the leaders accountable for their inaction. Um, Yeah, I think that I found that um, I found that angle um, stood out to me more than like anything particularly Jewish.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a very, a very strong theme in in the movie, like the, I don't know, not anti, I mean, yes, anti-war, but also in a, in a, I think, slightly different way than had, we've approached that before, Um, but Tamar, how about you, did you see any Jewish themes, or... Uh, So, I mean, I didn't really, like, look out for
2: them, but after Shavuot, I came back, or Shabbos, after I saw it, I came back, and one of my non-Jewish friends had sent me, like, a link to a Times of Israel article, because he's like, I think you'll think this cool, and I couldn't figure out how he ended up at that review, actually, now that I think about it. (laughs) Um, But uh, pretty much the author, Jordan Hoffman, I think it was, uh, kind of explained Diana's naivety and, like, lack of worldliness, but still a desire to fix the world, uh, essentially is, tikkun a, olam, like the Jewish idea of like fixing the world. And I really like that. And, um, mm-hmm. I have, I have a lot to say about, uh, Gal Gadot and Diana is like a Jewish feminist icon. Um, but I'm actually writing an article on it today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's, gonna, it's not gonna be so intense, but I had just watched um, like a documentary, a mini documentary by Lindsay Ellis. Uh, she's like a, someone I follow on Twitter, and she's really good at these little short 40-minute documentaries on things. And she pretty much addressed how, uh, how Mel Brooks's humor from like Blazing Saddles and stuff was being uh, used by white supremacists, and like she was just like explaining like why that's actually like ridiculous, and how Mel Brooks took satire as a way to be empowered cuz mainstream hollywood does not necessarily allow jews to be empowered and like everybody who's just like jews control media yeah that's true but the pr- the way that jews are typically not always but typically um portrayed like they're never really like the savior like or they're like if they're the hero of the, like the protagonist the of the sidekick. film like either they're no even not like the sidekick like it, she was mentioning how like in Inglourious bastards which is like the mo- one of the most popular like Nazi killing movies like the Jew bear is like the Jew bear and that's it like he's not the main one who's leading it when you could have easily had like there were Jews in the army they could have easily made Brad Pitt's character Jewish but they, they chose, they actively chose not to or pa- or maybe passively chose not to Um, and how like in Holocaust movies like the biggest ones are almost always about like Jews not being able to save themselves and someone else has to like a righteous Gentile which yeah, is a Gentile great story too. yeah and how like life is beautiful kind of like she was really mad and apparently Mel Brooks also hated it he like ca- I've never seen it but I didn't realize that it was kind of attempting to like show that there's like good stuff going on even when you're in like the darkest place but like, Mel Brooks thinks that's like he's like that's ridiculous like this is literally the hardest thing that any people have ever gone through or not literally it the hardest thing life is beautiful being like that but that's a matter for a different discussion right. so I mean so just saying so like this so pretty much she was going into it really intently how Jews like they could be anxious or they can be crazy or they can be whatever, but they're never the hero. And I just really liked, I, I was just like watching Wonder Woman and just like the whole time I was just like, there's a woman who looks exactly like my sister on screen, killing people and like being the powerful one. And nobody's like daring to stop her and nobody's, or well, nobody's able to stop her. And she's like doing what she wants. And just, I was, I got like really into this for my article and I was just thinking like, <laughs> who are Jewish Hero, like feminine heroines, and like yeah, a few of them. Like once in a while, you'll have someone who is like a warrioress. Warrioress? Warrior? Warrior? warrior. Or Willow
1: Rosenberg from Buffy. Yeah, but like. But she's the side, the side character.
2: Yeah, but so like I was thinking of like she's also more traditional Wiccan, so like yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, she's
0: you never leave.
2: Um, I was
0: thinking <laughs> of no, more no, no, of, like you never leave, but like in terms of like you know yeah. portraying a ton of Jewish behavior. It's well, like was not, not a ton. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. she just, you was...
1: know doesn't celebrate Christmas and she has a Jewish last name and that's yeah. basically. Well, what she should, she does be... also
0: put stones on somebody's grave, uh, so I guess Joss knew yes. about that thing. But.
2: Uh, but yeah, I was thinking of more like traditional heroines. Like I was literally getting biblical, and I was like thinking of like yeah, L and. Uh, Tamar and Esther and, like, how, like, yeah, Yael did kill someone, but, like, she, like, essentially brought him into her home and just, like, very domestic and feminine before she stabbed him in the head. She lured him into a false sense of security with And Esther did that, too, so, like, these are and, like, and Tamar also was, like, trickster, she, like, convinced her father-in-law to sleep with her because she had a new or she didn't have a new one, she she just wanted the line to continue, depending on if you, like, are reading the text or not, like, either way, she wanted the line to continue. And, uh,
1: society, um, seeing her as a woman, she had to use that, um, rather than, you know, assuming anything that would have been traditionally a masculine role, like fighting.
2: Exactly, so like, I felt like just watching Golgotha, like, I like wrote this in my article It was just like so like disclosure I have light brown hair and green eyes so like I'm not the like ideal Jew but my sister is and like honestly I was really thinking about it my sister like aside like she really looks similar to Gal Gadot they both have really dark brown hair and those like very dark brown eyes um although my sister has like two kids so they look a little bit different because she doesn't work out like Gal Gadot does um I'm going to edit that out because she might kill me if she ever finds <laughs> uh, but, uh, but just like watching her, like she looked, she sounded Israeli and like to anyone who knows Israelis at all, like to me, it was just like, she is literally speaking English with the accent of like an ancient, the ancient Jewish language. And it was it, like, I've really had a lot to think about this. And just like, really, like, I really think she's like, there's been so much debate about Diana and racism and I think like definitely the movie was lacking in diversity and like I I was watching the movie and just like okay you have a Native American character named Chief like really and I mean I'm gonna
0: assume that's from the comics but I don't know maybe I don't know I shouldn't necessarily give it a pass just for that article that's that someone that someone shared um
1: about um it was it was from a from a First Nations website um and they were really um the the article at least i don't know about you know the the general opinion um but the article um was about how you know how really impressed and how like this was groundbreaking for uh for them in terms of seeing a native american character on screen who you know he starts out and they they assumed that he was going to get killed you know and they assumed that he was going to be you know very very minor and he ended up having a much bigger role than they expected and he um, has a
0: ton of agency like he he maybe yeah, has he was the making, most agency of like a hero male character after Steve
1: and apparently the uh the actor um had a, a lot of input like pretty much all his entire costume design was from him and not from anybody else's idea of what um he should be wearing
2: and the actor um, was First Nation.
1: yes Oh
0: yeah, we would have heard I think if if he had not. Been.
1: Yeah, no, it was he was yeah, I think he's he's done other things. He's done, you know, he's been a character actor um as far as I know. Um maybe a stunt person also. I'm not sure. Um but yeah, the article made me feel like, you know, it, You know, in some ways, obviously not to the same degree, because, you know, he was he was still a minor character. He wasn't the main character. But like what you're describing about, you know, seeing a Jewish woman on screen in a major role like that seemed to be a similar idea of what um, this writer was talking about in terms of seeing a Native American character, which I think added a whole um, different uh, angle to it.
2: Well, I mean, I I think what I was describing was a little bit different because Diana is a demigoddess. She's not Jewish in the film. And this and like, that was really great that yeah. they had a character who is definitely who he was supposed to be. And I was just saying that.
1: Yeah, no, well, I, mean, I mean, like, I mean, the feeling like, you know, like there's, there's somebody on screen who looks like you and, you know, who is, you know...
0: Can in some way reflect your who is culture. There and
1: who is being treated respectfully and who is allowed to do things that you haven't seen, you know, a character or an actor allowed to do in, you know, in, in other movies.
0: The Jewish theme that I saw, personally, in the movie was kind of like a... a nobody stole this idea, because I do want to write it up at some point, but, like, my keyboard is broken, so my writing ability has, like, completely collapsed at this point. Um, but I I thought there was something really to be said about Aries as the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, um, that certainly if you went to a Jewish school, I think you've been taught a lot (laughs) about the (laughs) hits um and i I really liked the way that you know diana comes into this story convinced that the the evil inclination is something um is is aries there's no gray area there Uh, you know it is entirely external external. right exactly external to humanity kind of almost in a way like the christian version of the devil i would i would assume um I don't know. Like, there's
1: C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, which is all about you know the ways that the devil you know is the voice in your head and get, convinces you to do the wrong thing. Right. I'm just um, saying, like,
0: classically, Judaism doesn't have the idea necessarily yeah. of like a you know, alluring. It's more of an internal, uh, you know. I don't know. It. Like, there's
2: also like the subtle No, <laughs> so that's true. That's true. Sure. I
0: shouldn't. I shouldn't yeah. necessarily say that. But I haven't learned EoV as
1: as well as I should. But um,
0: yeah. But yeah, no, but I, I like that, that that was really grappled with, you know, that Diana ultimately has to deal with her own, you know, I guess, you know, it's a her in, in the movie and that she has to overcome that really crushing disappointment in that humanity is not what she thought it was. Even Steve is not who she thought he was, even though obviously he does prove to be a very valiant and, and good person, you know, but I think, you know one of the one of the things that like the movie deals with again is is things not being black and white which for a superhero movie set in World War 1 I, I was really impressed by and I I liked kind of you know extrapolating jewish ideas from that personally which by the way I don't think I do not think this movie would have worked during World War 2 at all like it would not have worked
2: well, I thought that was really interesting how they did that because they kind of essentially blamed World War II on Aries. They were like, "Oh, he's 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 having influence on the peace plans." And I mean, World yeah, and War II. Yeah, like that's historically
1: agreed. Yeah, that the Germany peace plan, because Germany was unequal.
2: Yeah, they made
1: they fostered resentment within Germany because of the uh, terms of the peace agreement, and you know, were one of the major factors that led to World War II.
0: Right. But I mean, you know, that's, again, the the idea that, like, humanity, that he's like, I don't make humanity do anything, you know, I just give them the opportunity and they always take it, you know, which I thought was a really smart thing. I did kind of, I, I also really liked the idea that they came to at the end, which is, like, it's not... I thought it was maybe slightly off the mark because I felt that they maybe should have emphasized more like what what humanity that the point is not what humanity um, deserves it's what you know Other, it's what you as a being are willing to give and that, that obviously we see through Steve I didn't quite extrapolate it to it's what you believe even though I they are very similar but I kind of was parsing that a little bit um, but yeah I mean what did you guys... I, I know that, like, I've I've been on a couple of podcasts discussing the movie already. Um, but did you guys feel that there were any kind of hiccups in the story or in the presentation? Because for me, like, the final battle
2: yeah, didn't it just really goes on work so for long. me. It went
0: on so long. It was kind of incoherent with all of the yeah. CGI and, like, Aerie's melting and then not melting and then Diana's throwing I mean, I the thing like... and...
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, because... It... In general, fight scenes tend to... You know, I find I tend to find them boring unless you know exactly what the stakes are. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, like, I am one of the few people who who liked the second Avengers more than the first Avengers because I felt like most of the action in the first Avengers was, like, you know, it was just, you know, Avengers fighting each other and you know that, like, nothing is going to happen to any of them because they're all the Avengers. And so, like... So, what if Captain America throws his shield at Iron Man? like no one cares um, yeah so in the in the Ares fight, it was you know after a while you you know you feel like you know this battle has.
0: Has outlasted the stakes. You well, know, they, like they the stakes kind of are... they kind of repeat the same concept yeah, a just couple like of times. Being
1: thrown against this and him being thrown against that, and him, you know, it's just it's just a lot of back and forth. Yeah, um, it was not nearly as interesting or engaging as the early fight scenes. You know, with the Amazons, like you know Robin Wright being complete badass. Like those were great. That was amazing.
2: <laughs> tamar what did you think there was like a few moments where i was just like this is weird and i didn't love that the dr poison thing was like oh the the disfigured woman is the villain um and that like they tried to humanize her but they didn't try to humanize the the evil guy at all because he's supposed to be the red herring for her for um aries and in the final battle like part of me was just like why should she have to like have this pain to like be motivated she's supposed to be so good that she should be motivated anyway like why does someone have to die for her to feel that way and then I felt like a lot of people's response would be oh because like like she's a woman so like love of course women do love and like I got really mad at that but at the same time I was like okay but like she is a different sort of superhero than like Superman and Batman who like do it because it's right or because of revenge
0: um yeah I mean but- I think I think that that you know that's where it kind of comes in like the the whole like deserving thing i think that she obviously the loss of steve is emotionally very difficult for her but i think it's also the 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 display of his sacrifice you know that is more key you know than the fact that they were romantically involved you know it's it's the outright display like the 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 demonstration of his philosophy and that he is willing to back that up um again not that she doesn't love him and not that that grief is not part of that uh but i think i think that was more what they were going for as opposed to just like um you know my lost love like
1: an example like an example of a pure good
0: yeah you know um like i definitely uh, i I mentioned person of
1: interest last time um, and, like, there's a point in, like, the later seasons of Person of Interest where they're trying to explain, you know, to the machine how to differentiate between good and bad people because the machine has, has gone on the fritz and the, for whatever reason and is um, start, starting to see, like, the main characters as bad people um, because of things that they did in the past, you know. And so it's, like, it's explaining, the, con- you know, so one of the characters explaining the concept of atonement and explaining, um, you know, like lives that are saved, you know, and and saving lives is a pure good, you know, and so like that's the kind of, um, the, I think that what they were going for, I agree, that they were going for an example of a pure good, um, that, you know, could not be refuted. Um, yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I will agree, I, 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 personally, while I have no issue with Steve, like, dying, I did think that it was a little bit like unnecessary slash I wish he had died. America.
1: <laughs> like I would have been okay if he had like parachuted out at the last second. Like I would have been okay, <laughs> okay with her thinking that he was dead. Like I know it would have been cheesy, but I would have been okay with that.
0: No, I was I was glad that they, they carried through on that because I was also expecting one of the at least one of the gang of Misfits, you know, to die, uh, who were you know, two people of color and someone suffering from severe PTSD. Slash, I guess maybe at that time would have been considered a person, or not a person definitely. of color, but a marginalized person from being definitely Scottish. He, like, yeah, in, be yeah. No, he was Scottish. clearly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So the Scottish thing, I don't don't know enough about the politics of the time, but definitely uh, mentally ill and suffering from PTSD, or as they would have called it at that time, shell shock. Um. And I saw that also as like a further you know manifestation. Um, this came up in Olaf, I think, um, about because somebody was saying that the sidekicks were unnecessary and that they didn't do anything. But I felt that they served a really important thematic purpose, even though that they didn't necessarily have a plot function as much. But they were thematically really important because they were showing, you know, the many, many different ways that people's lives have been negatively impacted and destroyed by war. Um, And that gives, you know, context, you know, for the end where Diana realizes that all of humanity's problems can't just magically be solved by killing Ares because there are all of these reverberations that, like, it doesn't matter, you know, if the source of the evil is gone you know there are so many other ramifications um, to the evil, and so I felt like all of those characters um, were serving that purpose um, mm-hmm. because they were all very much impacted and affected by war in different ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, d- I definitely thought that the uh, the crew whatever served a really good purpose. I liked that they. The scooby gang yeah that they established um or the howling commandos if you want to continue the uh captain america metaphor um i thought they established you know the the different faces of people who were involved in world war one because we are very much i'm not i'm not and i think you know there's been a lot written about how like it's not enough and like there aren't many women of color who are like given a chance to say more than two lines and i think that's all very valid and like deserves to be discussed but I do want to I think I, I do think that they deserve props for like having you know these characters come in be integral to the story also be complicated like they're not they're not easy characters to necessarily fall in love with like they're all kind of ornery they all have sharp edges you know they all they're have human. reasons for that yeah they're human Um and they don't die <laughs> Steve is the one who dies you know so I thought that that I I didn't I didn't like Steve that much. I mean, I, he was fine. I didn't. I liked
1: Steve. I wanted to see him in more.
0: You know, I wanted. Well, to see he signed him in on for more movies. movies. I wanted.
1: To... It's possible that yeah, wanted... like
0: they might do some kind of weird. It's
1: possible, you know. but they're probably just gonna show him in like flashbacks and yeah. stuff. I don't know. Like Sean Bean gets credited in the later Lord of the Rings movies, and you only see him for like five seconds, getting shot with arrows in flashbacks. Right. So,
0: <laughs> well, no, I don't I'm, know what it he's means. in the extended. It's a great scene in gondor yeah very flashback anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, i like based whole fanfic really on that so i remember him it be, vividly
1: i would have really enjoyed seeing him be diana's sidekick for you know a whole bunch of movies
0: yeah i hear that um what were you guys favorite i just thought about? they had
1: really great chemistry and they you know just went back and forth really well and I read that a lot of their scenes were well not a lot but like definitely the one on the boat was improvised um and they just you know they clearly had very good camaraderie and I've seen you know Chris Pine's interviews he also you know along with Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot really you know gets what you know was important about this movie
0: yeah yeah definitely ah um so what were you guys favorite parts Um, ice cream? <laughs>
1: no, the boat conversation was probably way up there. It was just like, oh, I love this. <laughs> I could have watched them be odd couple forever. Like, they were just great.
0: Yeah. Uh, as I'm up tomorrow, how about you? Uh, I was going to say the boat scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Themeskira just like oh well i mean oh, gosh it's tied between Which mascara <laughs> and the the um uh the trench scene because that is just so amazing and like some of the best use of slow-mo <laughs> I've, like really seen in a long time because you get to appreciate everything but yeah i i loved the mascara i loved the you know the whole culture that they suggest there that there's like a senate and like you know, uh, an organized military, and like, but it's all women, no and you just get to like <laughs> live on this amazing island. And like, yeah, I thought that was just so, so cool. And I hope we get to see it again in some form eventually. Yeah. So, do you guys have any other thoughts you wanted to share on the movie or on Gal Gadot or. Yes,
1: about gender.
0: Yes. Um, because, what? Is that like I said, yeah, I, I don't have... know. Oh, lives matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I've been seeing you know a lot of interviews um, with actors and just with people in general. And I think Tamar even said you know last time about how like Diana, you know, represents a lot of you know feminine traits and emotional intelligence and you know things like that and how important that was to see in a movie. Um, and I think that they're really important things to see in a movie, but not necessarily, you know, from a, from a woman. Although I think that, you know, seeing it in a woman makes it easier for more people to swallow it, honestly. Um, because we have these, you know, ingrained stereotypes about, you know, what women are good at and what, you know, women are allowed to be emotional about. Um, and I feel like it's just really important to have a, uh, a hero or a heroine who is open about their emotions and who is motivated because they care. Um, and they care, like, not because of revenge and not because of some abstract idea of right and wrong, but because they just personally care so much about the pain and suffering of others. And I think that was something that. Um, Wonder Woman um, and Gal Gadot's performance really, you know, captured that she's like, you know, you see her, you know, in this war in the in the trench scene, and she sees the suffering around her, and she is just so completely torn up about it, um, and like, you know, you, you feel for her because she feels so much for them, and I feel like you know, seeing that and having that as, portrayed as a strength rather than a weakness is a really good thing, and. I would really like to see that, um, to see an emotional male hero, honestly. Um, not that, you know, I don't want more female heroes because more female heroes be great, but um, I feel like these are traits, these aren't traditional, these aren't feminine or masculine traits. These are traits that are in general um, put down by the toxic masculinity and machismo in our culture, where you know, showing emotion is considered not tough, um, and I think it would be great to have more heroes that wear their hearts on their sleeve in that way, um, and where it's not looked as uh, looked down on as weak or whiny, um, whether they're male or whether they're female, um, whatever gender they are, um, to be able to be emotional without being seen as weak. I think that that would be, you know, a major difference um, in the current portrayal of toughness and superheroes and strength. Um, And yeah, I don't necessarily have high hopes of it happening, but I think that, you know, a movie like this shows that it's possible to have a hero that is openly emotional and still comes across as strong. And so maybe other uh, writers and actors and directors will take more chances in terms of how they portray strength in other heroes um, of any gender that they happen to be um, and yeah
0: I've been thinking about that a lot yeah I think they did a good job with that I mean I I even interpreted like um, the, the Scottish guy like his PTSD and kind of um, performed masculinity you know like I, I thought that there was some commentary there that you know Because Diana was very much in a, um, in like a, a a soothing role with him and kind of very non-judgmental of the whole, you know, of, of his, what, what I guess would be perceived to be weaknesses, right? Um, Yeah, I liked
1: how she was just so affirming of everybody, you know, like, even with the ice cream scene, you know, and like, this is wonderful, you should be very
0: proud, you know, like, very
1: affirming of people's experiences people's lives.
0: Yeah, so I thought that was really, um, that was really wonderful. Um, Tamar, any other things you wanted to bring up? Nope, nothing comes to mind. Cool, cool. I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to say. Um, oh, do you guys have any hopes for a sequel? I mean, I think I've heard that we're getting a sequel. <laughs> yeah, we are. Awesome. Okay. I don't
1: know, the sequel other than the Justice League movie, right?
2: Um, yeah, they, yeah, they're talking to Patty Jenkins right now about signing on. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: that
0: about sums up my thoughts for a sequel. Yes. <laughs> Do you guys have any ideas of where you would want to set it? Or, like,
2: would Honestly, it have to have be modern no day?
0: Ideas. Yeah. I will take it wherever Patty Jenkins wants to go. Yeah that's that's true i just hope it isn't in world war Two. I, I i don't want to i don't want to go there i mean we've had a, i think we've had enough
1: nazis i think that was another thing that i did like about this movie that it's you know we've had enough nazis and nazi imagery for a while we can we can give it a rest
0: yeah yeah i think i'd like something that kind of maybe cut back and forth between like maybe flashbacks or something on the mascara you know and then um like something in the present because it's it's interesting to me because it like Diana in the present that we saw her you know at the, the front and back ends of the movie really struck me as like having quite a bit of suffering it's like she seemed very sad and I was kind of wondering like I didn't quite think that she got to that point in the movie so I was wondering maybe what has happened in between um, but that could also be because apparently Superman dies in Batman versus Superman and that's sad. I guess. But So I just found that out because I was looking to watch the <laughs> street. <laughs> No, I, just, no, I, 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 I didn't I, know did
1: not... that, but honestly, it doesn't really matter to me, because no, whatever, for... he's not really Superman to me.
0: <laughs> Anything else you want to yeah. say, or?
1: Well, I just, think that, uh, you know, her character, you know, may have been sad, because I don't know, if we did she ever go back, you know, have we seen, we don't see her go back to Themyscira, and maybe, you know, she's been living all this time, you know, separated from her people. That was the kind of vibe I got, but I also didn't know the Batman versus Superman plot, so I I didn't know that context.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I I definitely, I definitely want her to go back to the mascara, whether it's the first time or whether it's not, I just, I need, I need more the mascara.
2: <laughs> I,
1: I want don't understand the timeline of Themyscira, because, like, I don't know, like, they they don't have new, new children, right, aside from Diana, and, like, they don't seem to, to really age, so, like, do, uh, do they just live forever? Like, I don't, I don't know how that works.
0: I mean, I think they might, like, I think they're kind of frozen in time. Okay, like Diana's probably been a Diana, Diana been growing up be. for a very long time. Yeah, like how did how did that work? Yeah. <laughs> ah, definitely a lot of questions we want answered in the future. But um, yeah, so that was our review of Wonder Woman. I I feel I feel decently confident that we'll come back to this topic in in one way or another in the future. Uh, I don't know if it'll be the starring.
1: Like the I like the people who've been following us for a while, you know, saw us, you know, and our, anticip- our anticipation from, you know, episodes back where we were talking about it, you know, and our hopes and fears and everything, you know, and now they get to see that we were happy yeah. with it. You know? <laughs> that's like it's yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, there's all this drama and it builds and it builds and builds and now, you know, now what?
0: Yeah we take it back we totally take it back it, it uh it was awesome and uh <laughs> very very grateful that that did not you. yeah <laughs> our worst fears did not come to pass uh very very thankfully i was i was worried but yeah very glad that, that didn't happen so that is it for this episode of nice jewish fangirls episode 16 already wow pretty crazy um maybe we'll i, I feel like we're, we're talking about maybe doing another live stream or some something along those lines that will be in the works talking about For the 20th it 20th up oh maybe that would be a good idea we could celebrate that way um also we have a sparkly new purple logo so that's cool
2: yeah. i love
0: purple purple's awesome uh cool so tomorrow where can people find you on the internet uh, people can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamar Writes. And SM.
1: Um, you can follow me on Facebook and uh, on Amazon. You can buy my fiction. And um, I just started my cooking blog at millennialcooking.wordpress.com.
0: Nice. You can find me on Twitter at inkazrain You can find my Facebook page. You can find my writing at com. And you can of course find the Nice Jewish Fangirls on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls. You can also find us on Facebook at Nice Jewish Fangirls. You can find us at JewishCoffeehouse.com. Check us out as well as all of the other awesome Jewish interest podcasts. I think they just started a, a feminism podcast or one a female related mm-hmm. podcast. So shout out to that one. Which I don't know its Girl saying. power. Girl power. Yay! <laughs> um You can email us at nicehugefangirls at gmail dot com. We love getting your email, and please, 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 please leave us an iTunes review. Diana of the mascara begs you to leave an iTunes review. <laughs> we could really use Just more Just make another pun about
1: it. It's very.
0: <laughs> we will lasso yeah. of truth you. Uh, but yeah, it's very, uh, it's very important for our iTunes rankings, and of course, we always love to hear what you think of us, and if you enjoy listening. So, thank you so much for listening. We will be back again soon. If you have any comments, questions, ideas, let us know on all of the outlets I have mentioned. Thank you so much for listening, and live long and prosper. That's what I said. Live long and prosper, everyone. (laughs) I wish, I wish Wonder Woman had, like, a better slogan because i would totally replace I it with that no i don't think she does oh, she just well. has like vintage memes <laughs> and i'm just <laughs> i just have her theme song in my head so yeah all right bye